Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. All right, thank you and on with the show. Seriously, being a parent is like being an athlete. There's not enough hours in the day, is there? I just need your help. Supermom, trying to juggle it all. <laughs> Screens are a godsend for many parents, but they can also be a curse if you use them too much. On one hand, they can keep you organised, connected to friends, and on top of your child's daycare or school activities. Then again, you can miss your child's entire swimming lesson down a Facebook rabbit hole and your children can have techno tantrums when you tell them to get off their devices. So how do we find the balance? Dr. Christy Goodwin is a technology and development expert and she's here to help us find some balance, that is. Hi, Christy. How are you? Great. How are you? Good, thank you. So parental guilt over the use of screens is fairly pervasive. I'd say Mm -hmm. most of us feel it, whether we're using it or we give it to our kids. In some ways, though, I feel like the horse has bolted, particularly for adults. Like I feel we we need our phones now, Mm. don't we? Yes. I refer to this as techno guilt or techno shame. And there's this sense that we're, there's something wrong about technology. And I think for a lot of us, um, we've come to accept that technology will be part of our lives and it will be part of our kids' lives. So digital amputation or avoiding using your screens, you know, I call it digital abstinence around your kids, isn't realistic. And in fact, our kids need to see us using technology. They need to use technology. But equally, we need to show them how we can switch off and not use it. And we also need to teach them how to switch off as well. So I I think the only way they can develop those skills is by actually using or seeing people use technology um, so that they can develop these healthy habits because whether we love it or loathe it, our kids will inherit this digital future. So it's our job as parents to help them navigate this the best way possible. Okay, so navigation seems a good way to sort of manage that juggle between allowing technology use and not giving them too much. Have you got any tips on how we can put those sorts of guidelines in place? Yes. So I say to parents, there are three Bs when it comes to managing your child's digital world. The first B is basic needs. We've got to make sure that screens aren't displacing or superseding our kids' basic needs. And what are the basic things kids need? Things like sleep, play, physical activity, social interaction, good quality nutrition, So we need to make sure that screens aren't interfering with those basic needs. The second B that we need to have is boundaries. And that is boundaries not only around how much, how much time kids spend with screens is important, but equally as important is that we also look at what kids are doing with screens, when they're using them, how they're using them, where they're using them and with whom they're using them. And as parents, we have to be, I call it being the pilot of the digital plane. We have to enforce those boundaries so that our kids can develop these healthy technology habits. And the third is balance. We've got to make sure that we balance kids' screen time and their green time. So we need to make sure that kids are having all the digital experiences that they're having, that they still have unplugged analogue experience as well so that they can get that full range of experience that will lead to their optimal health and wellbeing. And, you know, I love that you say that about guilt and, and the balance thing because the other day I it's the first time I've actually gone actually – this is okay. Like we went out, we spent a whole afternoon, hours and hours in the park, mm-hmm. and then we came home and we put on Annie. Yep. <laughs> and 
for a moment, I was like, oh, you really can't do this. It was actually when I was about to cook dinner. It's like, don't do this. This is wrong. And then I thought, hold on a minute. They've spent hours yeah. outside. This is a classic. <laughs> Everyone needs to watch Annie. Uh, it'll teach them about, you know, poverty. No, no. Um, but mainly that balance. And I love that idea of saying to parents, I mean, I know this isn't using an iPad or playing a game, but movies or whatever it might be, as long as you're not displacing the yeah. outdoor time, then it's okay. That's right. And I think that helps to alleviate this, this guilt because we know that if screens are part of an overall balanced childhood, that they're not necessarily toxic or taboo. And and unfortunately, we often hear media reports and we hear stories, you know, demonising technology in kids, when in actual fact, the research tells us that if kids are using developmentally appropriate and using technology in intentional ways, that it can actually support their learning. So your example of watching Annie, you know, could have facilitated a whole lot of off-screen play and role-playing, and I would imagine dramatic... Lots of singing. There you go, (laughs) singing. Um, But it also develops interactions with parents. So I think we need to sort of dispel this myth that screen time is always negative and it's taboo and it's toxic and instead look again at what they're doing and making sure that it's part of this balanced life. And then I think we can ditch that guilt and, and, and angst. You're listening to Kindling Conversation and I'm speaking with Dr. Christy Goodwin. This is part of our juggle series and we're actually talking about technology and Part of the juggle, I guess, with technology is that balance that Christy's talking about between screen time and whatever else it might displace and also trying to manage it in a way where we don't feel constantly guilty. (laughs) I think I'll just spend the rest of my life trying to stop feeling guilty, but anyway. Um, So in terms of guidelines, should there be different guidelines for different devices or is it the same for phones, iPads, television Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I'm being asked this more and more. Look, at this stage, our government guidelines, and they are due to be revised in the next little while, but at the moment, our government guidelines class all screen time as equal. And we know that's not necessarily the case. You know, an hour on the iPad could be very different to an hour watching TV. So I think I always say to parents, look at what they're doing. Is it entertainment? Is it educational? Is it active? Is it passive? Is it age appropriate? Does it have scary content or themes? Is there violence in it? So I think if we unpack exactly what they're doing, that can give us some peace of mind um, as well. Um, I think, you know, obviously interactive experiences, so using touch screens or gaming consoles, usually, again, if it's age appropriate content, um, tend to develop more thinking skills. So kids, because the brain is actively involved, so their higher order thinking skills are being deployed, tend to be better in terms of educational content. But equally, when kids are passively consuming something, you know, the David Attenborough DVD or a YouTube clip on some strange scientific phenomenon that you can't, as a parent, (laughs) explain to them, that can equally be a learning experience. So I really think it comes back to unpacking exactly what they're doing on the device and then coming back. I find it really hard. I'm I'm pressed so frequently to give, you know, a safe amount of screen time. And what's really important to note, even our government guidelines that we have regarding screen time, they've never been scientifically validated. So there's never been a study that says, you know, that one hour that we're prescribing for two to five-year-olds is a safe threshold. Anything over that, you're in dangerous territory. And anything under that, you're in very safe territory. So it's really hard. And especially if you've got children of multiple ages, you know, kids or or genders, I should say, um, we know kids all have different tipping points. So for some children, um, you know, an hour on the iPad and they come off and they're fine. For other children, an hour on the iPad can result in, you know, the abhorrent techno tantrum, agitated, frustrated behavior. So I think we need to know the child and also the content to figure out what's best. 
All right, then how do you feel about using screen time as a reward or taking it away as a punishment? Look, what I share, when I share this, I'm often met with very strange looks from parents. Like I've said something that is totally counterintuitive. And I actually strongly advise against parents using screen time as a reward or punishment tool. And one of the the reasons that I say to avoid using it as a reward tool um, is I'm, I'm the first to admit I've dangled the digital carrot. So to get my kids ready early in the morning quickly, I have offered a bit of screen time. So I'm not saying never to do it. But if we use it all the time as a reward tool, it develops a transactional relationship with our kids and our kids very quickly start to know what's in it for me. So yes, I'll unpack the dishwasher, but only if you let me play on my gaming console. I will make my bed or I'll be kind to my sister if you let me play on the, the you know, watch the DVD or, or play Minecraft. And so it develops this transactional relationship between our kids very quickly. Um, and it starts to elevate the status of the device. We know most kids find technology innately pleasurable. And all of a sudden, if we're offering it as a reward, it becomes even more of, you know, something that is highly desirable. Um, so it, it backfires in that sense. When it comes to using it as a punishment tool, I say to parents, and this is where I talk about it not being a logical consequence. So to say to your child, you punched your sister you've lost TV rights for a week. It's not a logical consequence. And what we know that is that with older kids, when they are being cyberbullied, when they've seen pornography, when they've seen violent or scary content, they do not go and tell parents or teachers, even though they're trained to do that, um, because their biggest fear is that they're going to be punished by having the technology withdrawn. And we really want to develop a relationship with our kids so that when they see something inappropriate, when they're a victim of cyberbullying, when they've seen pornography, that they feel that they can come to us without being digitally amputated. Um, so I think, I, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the first to say, I know a lot of parents say, but it's the only, you know, commodity that's of real value to my child. And I often challenge you to say there must be something else of value that you could use um, because we really want our kids to see technology as a tool not as a toy and as a privilege and not as a right. And I think if we can take it away from that reward punishment sort of situation, it, it will be much better for our kids and for us as well. Now, I think you may have touched on this, but I'm, I'm trying to uh, end the interview with something for us parents. <laughs> Is gratuitous use of our screens for parents or children ever okay? And I'm thinking about this, you know, when we finish a long day at work and the kids are in bed and we binge watch a couple episodes of Game of Thrones or something like that. I know I'm behind. Everyone has watched the latest season of Game of Thrones. I haven't. Okay. Um, is it, is that ever okay? Just to completely unwind. Oh, totally. I'm. I will admit here. I'm going to admit this on radio. Uh, when I come home from seminars, I need something to switch my brain off. So I am a um, closet fan of the the Real Housewives series. <laughs> So I deliver these intellectual seminars where I'm sharing research and I come home, take off the heels and I binge watch a little bit of Real Housewives. So I think uh, that's brilliant. I'm, I'm here <laughs> to say I think it's totally fine. And we need, I, I think as, as adults, um, we need sometimes a break. And so whether it's on a screen, whether it's reading a trashy novel, um, I think we need we, neuroscientists, I'll weave the science in here to validate what I'm doing. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, I, neuroscientists used to call it daydreaming or mind wandering mode. And it's this state where we get into where we turn off the, the what we call the prefrontal cortex. So this is the logical CEO air traffic control system 
of the brain. And this is the part of the brain that makes all the logical decisions. So it manages our impulses. It's the memory center of our brain. And when we can watch trashy TV, when we can scroll mindlessly through social media without much attention, then it gives us that mind-wandering mode. I just think we, you know, again, not doing it all the time, but I'm a huge fan of (laughs) gratuitous use of screens. (laughs) I love that. You learn something every time you speak with Christy, and now I know that she loves Desperate Housewives. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Christy, thank you so much for your time today. Pleasure. That's Dr. Christy Goodwin. She's a technology and development expert. And for more on our Juggle series, you can head to our website. It's kindling.com.au. Where the beanies? Get your child off screens and into their imagination as we explore how bubbles are made. What's in a sneeze? Achoo! And what's with the weather today? Professor Know-It-All knows. Hello, beanies. Hello. The, the beanies. beanies. A podcast just for kids. Subscribe now on iTunes or listen anytime on the Kindling app.